Section 41 of the Journal of the Reverend Francis Asbury, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by David Baer. Journal of the Reverend Francis Asbury, Volume 1, Section 41. September 1780. Friday, the 22nd. I am weak, and not able to fast altogether. I eat sparingly. Rode twenty-seven miles and came to a good house yesterday. It was very warm for the season. I feel the weight of the work, the greatness of my charge, and resolve to be more given up to God than ever. From Brother Foster's conversation, I am led to hope that our breaches will be healed. Saturday, the 23rd. I spoke at Hayes to about five hundred people, they were gay and careless. I spoke with fervency, but they were unmoved. We rode on to John Finney's, a serious man and a preacher. Sunday, the 24th, I spoke long and in much plainness on the latter part of the 8th chapter of Mark, to about 700 people. Some of the gay sort among them, and hope that there was good done. I have enjoyed great fellowship with Brother Foster. He was once for the new, he is now for the good old way. Monday, the 25th, rode to Stony Hill Preaching House, spoke to about 50 serious-feeling people. Trials and blessings accompany me. After dinner, retired to Benjamin Tucker's. I was much blessed in private, while pleading for wisdom to go before the people and for a spirit of supplication in my accustomed morning and evening prayers for all the preachers and circuits in America. I began at the north, and go to the south in order. He that faithfully cares for others, others will care for him. Above all, the Lord, who is not unrighteous to forget the work of faith and labor of love we show towards the saints, he will care for him. Wednesday, the 27th. Road to George Pengram's. Preached to about 18, great and small, on Second Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. I rode on to Mr. Yearbury's. He lives well is kind and decent in behavior, delivered a family lecture, rode ten miles to Petersburg. A heavy rain induced us to put off preaching until two o'clock, spoke on Revelations 3, verse 10, was let out upon the whole blessed. There were some old friends from the country present. Thursday, the 28th, rode twelve miles to Mr. Patrick's. Some soldiers and officers came to hear the word, rode on twelve miles to Baker's, and was kindly received. Brother Davis went with me. I spoke on First John, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Had some liberty. Uh, I sometimes feel gloomy. Trying circumstances prevent me from making an exertion. Yet, if I would try to force myself on such occasions, it might be well. Friday, the 29th. I have a sense of God upon my heart. Although little rest and much tempted, I was greatly let out in preaching at Baker's. Both parents and children wept in silent tears while I spoke on Genesis 18, verse 19. Rode that evening to Mannequin Town, where a night watch was held by brothers Finney, Bailey, and Foster. I spoke with our brethren upon a firm and lasting union. It was opposed, and with tears. Tears and feelings will not induce me to give up my charge. It began to be a doubt with me whether I should leave Virginia until conference. I sent certain proposals by Brother Finney to the preachers at their quarterly meetings. 
Sunday, October 1st. I preached at Mannequin Town to about 500 people. I was let out and spoke plainly. Monday, the 2nd. Rode to Maxi's, 12 miles. Preached from Luke, chapter 8, verses 23 through 25, and had some liberty. Tuesday, the 3rd. Rode 20 miles, crossed the James River, and lodged at Tucker Woodson's. I spoke and prayed with an old Presbyterian who was once pleased with our preachers. Wednesday, the 4th. We had not ridden far before it began to rain again. Edward Bailey was so unwell I feared for him and stopped at a tavern. It was Duke's, in Goochland, about twelve miles from our last stage. Here my companion was confined to his bed. I dried our clothes and talked with the woman of the house, who had been under conviction by hearing our preachers in Carolina, but now unhappily in a way of life unfriendly to religion. We brought them to prayer, forced prayer. Thursday, the 5th, set off without any breakfast, passed onward to Lindsay's Tavern, inquiring the way to the broken-backed church. We could not get any positive directions until we came within eight miles of it, and found it to be on this side of the fork of the James River, about twenty miles distant from Duke's. We met about sixty people after riding nearly as many miles. I spoke on Genesis 18, verse 19, very little moving. Oh, how different it was from the effect produced Tuesday last when discoursing on the same text. We crossed the North River in a canoe, and the carriage was brought in over on the same way. We were kindly received at Roger Thompson's, and here it was. The broken-backed conference was held, in which the subject of ordinance was brought into consideration. I have been much tried in this journey by lodging, people, and weather. Oh, that I could bear all things. My companion is sick and much dispirited, and I myself am very unwell. I expect some of this circuit to be very inaccessible. Oh, why should I take all of this labor in vain? if it yet be in vain. My work and my reward are with the Lord. Every morning and evening I pray for all the preachers and circuits, and, as I am so led out to pray for them, I hope they will all be united once more, as they have been. Friday, the 6th. We went forwards, the Fork Church seven miles distant. Brother Bailey was taken sick upon the road. I left him about two miles below the church, went on, and preached on Romans chapter 8. Returning to Brother Bailey, I found him very ill with fever. He rode twelve miles in the carriage to Brother Hopkins in Amherst. Riding on horseback fatigued me. Sunday, the 8th, rode thirteen miles to Sugarloaf Mountains. Edward Bailey, after riding a few miles, was taken with a sickened fit and very ill. I left him in the carriage and proceeded on. About five hundred people had assembled, to whom I spoke on Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 2-4. through four. Returning after preaching to Brother Bailey, I found him with all the symptoms of a severe bilious attack and like a dead man in appearance. He passed the night in great distress. Prayer was made for him. Through mercy, his fit went off. I took Brother Bailey to help me. His affliction has given me much trouble. Greatly distressed for him I have been. I am much consoled in the being able to leave him with Dr. Hopkins, who is a kind, skillful, sensible man. Monday, the ninth, set out alone for Mumpins. After riding about twenty-five miles, night overtook me at Wallace's Mill. It was some time before I could find my way, which I discovered to be under the trunkhead race of the mill. Here, the top of the carriage being too high, set fast. I took the horse out, and with much trouble came clear without breakage of any kind. The people of the house were Presbyterian. They gave me lodging. 
I prayed night and morning with them. Tuesday, the 10th. Rode over the mountains 10 miles. Came to the new preaching house. Spoke on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17-19. through 19. Was much blessed. Here I saw Robert Wagden, a soldier, and James Signal, Englishman, captured with the Burgoyne. The first I saw in New York seven years ago. Since then he fell and was restored at the barracks in Albemarle when a prisoner. I spent the night with them comfortably. Two soldiers in the neighborhood have occasioned scandal among the Baptists. Soldiers, I think, should be in a society with one another and exhort and preach amongst themselves. Wednesday, the 11th. I rode to Fretwell's, 20 miles, was troubled in getting the carriage into the flat at the riverside. I spoke to about 40 people on Acts, chapter 8, verse 26. I rode to Mr. Grimes, a comfortable house, arriving about 8 o'clock. I was blessed and consoled for all my toils. Thursday, the 12th. I have peace and love, although unwell. I intend to spend this day in retirement. I preached at Mr. Grimes at 12 o'clock to about 30 people, white and black, on Second Peter, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. I had great liberty and clear ideas. Though employed thus, I have had little time for retirement and writing. I am happy, but I see the great need of doing, being, and suffering what I preach to others. I have traveled so much that it seems like confinement to rest one day. I hope I shall travel as long as I live. Traveling is my health, life, and all for soul and body. I am not well, but I am kept upright in heart, and am much concerned for a union with the preachers. I am alternately in hope and despair about it. Friday, the 13th, rode to Bohannon's, passing the rapid Dan River. About two o'clock I arrived after some difficulties and found Henry Fry preaching to about eighty people. I spoke after him on Luke chapter 8, verses 23 through 25, was fervent. But the people thought I must speak like thunder to be a great preacher. I shall not throw myself into an unnatural heat or overstrained exertions. I rode home about ten miles with Brother Fry. He is a serious man. My carriage broke, and his overseer mended it very well. Meantime I rested, and read at times the Valley of Lilies of Akempis. It is much in the same style as his pattern, or imitation. I wonder Mr. Wesley has never abridged this work. Sunday, the 15th. I rode to Roberts, under the mountains, about ten miles. Spoke to about five hundred people. I was zealous, but the people languid. A certain kind of preaching of which these people have lately heard much leaves the most stupid souls to my mind that I find anywhere. I have been much tempted, but I am stirred up to pray much. So I make necessity of calamity. I remember all the preachers and societies twice a day. We had to ride back to Henry Fry's in the rain. Monday, the 16th. I have peace. Rose at five o'clock. Spent nearly an hour in retirement had all the circuits and preachers on my mind. I was led to plead with God for a union. I have peace with and love to all mankind. I rode 20 miles yesterday. Brother McClure came in from the north and on his way to see his parents in the west. I preached at Henry Fry's on Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, had life in speaking. Spent some time with the family. Tuesday, the 17th. Rode ten miles, 
preached at Stockdale's to about thirty people, rode on fifteen miles, put in at Raglan's. A Baptist spoke to the family. Next morning, rode eighteen miles to the broken-backed church. I got in a little after twelve o'clock, preached on Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 12. Here I received the melancholy tidings of the death of my companion and friend, Edward Bailey. It was very distressing to me. Riding together so long had created a great sympathy between us. He died on Tuesday last, about five o'clock. In full confidence he spoke to the last, and bore a testimony to the goodness of God. He would sometimes get on his knees in the bed, weak as he was, and pray. It troubles me to reflect that he was neglected so long. Yet it was unavoidable. The doctor supposed a mortification took place in his bowels, inflamed by the corrosive nature of the bile. It was a sorrowful, quarterly meeting to me. Few people, they lifeless, and my dear friend, dead. I spoke to the preachers about a union. Thursday, the 19th. I preached on John, chapter 3, 16 and 17, to a very unfeeling people. Friends parted in much love. On Friday, I rode sixteen miles to John Lasley's, lectured on Second Peter chapter one verses four through nine to some inanimate souls. Saturday, the twenty-first, I set out as soon as it was light and came about three o'clock to the Widow Granger's and Ground School Bridge, a distance of forty miles. I travel very heavily now. I have lost my poor Bailey so suddenly called away. Lord, humble me and make me more watchful. He desired me to see into his temporal matters for his poor sister and wife and children. I have reason to praise God that I have health under such fatigue. I said I should have trouble before I went into Fluvana, yet I little thought my friend would die there. If my affections were naturally tender, I should be bathed in tears, for I have great cause to weep. But the Lord hath ordered it. It may be that I suffer more than those who weep away distress. I was ready to say, none shall ride with me hereafter. Satan works upon my gloomy mind greatly. I was comforted in meeting B and B, R.B., T.C., a solemn meeting. We have lost three useful preachers within a year. The Lord cuts Israel short. Sunday, the 22nd, I spoke long and freely on the parable of the sower to 400 people, but it appears as if sinners were gospel-proof. Monday, the 23rd, I rode 12 miles to friend Ellis's, spoke to about 60 people on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. John Tunnell spoke after me. I wrote to the preachers jointly and severely about a union. Tuesday, the 24th, rode to Mr. Meredith's, 35 miles. We were entangled in the way, came in late, leaving the carriage in the woods. I was unwell by long fasting, although among very kind people. We heard a rumor of the British landing up James River. I was afraid they would interrupt me in my circuit appointments. Wednesday, the 25th. I am unwell, but happy in God. That is, I feel a solemn determination to labor more for God, because others desert the work. I preached with great liberty at Tally's. There were some young preachers present. They shook whilst I showed the call to the ministry, how they ought to evidence it by having the same end in view our Lord had to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the broken-hearted, and to set liberty them that are bound, to imitate the prophetic and priestly office of Christ, thus to set up Christ amongst the people. 
or to conclude that they had not the call. I met with the society. Some spoke, and the Lord blessed us. At night, the alarm was made for the 7th Division of the Militia. The rumor was that there were 5,000 of the British troops, that they had torn two counties to pieces, and had been within six miles of Williamsburg. As my appointments lay down that way, I put off to the north, across the river. Friday, the 27th, rode on to Fredericksburg. My horse failed through fatigue, bad feed, and not enough of it. I stopped and fed by the way. Mistaking my road, I met a serious man and spoke to him about his soul. It may be that losing my way was ordered by Providence. Came to Garrett's at Stafford Courthouse. Fell in with a Presbyterian, an acquaintance of Mr. Pilmore. I spoke freely to him and had a prayer. Two young men from Winchester joined us. Saturday morning, after paying eight continental dollars for my horse and my supper and bed, I rode on to Dumfries, about twelve miles. Rode on four miles farther, fed my horse, and got a cup of boiled milk for myself. Here my paper money failed, and I was obliged to pay in silver. I rode on, carrying my corn, and fed upon the road. Missing my way to William Adams's, when on the south side of Colchester, I went down the state road within two miles of Alexandria, making my journey near fifty miles. My horse was much fatigued, and myself in a fever with hard riding. I was blessed with the family I put up with. Oh, how sweet is rest, but oh, for eternal rest. Sunday, the 29th. I am happy in the review of my labors, in the reflection that my heart is in the work of God, and that it is not in vain. I rejoice in the prospect of returning home to Delaware. Maryland, Monday, the 30th. Crossed Georgetown Ferry, stopped at Baggerley's, rode on in great peace and came to John Worthington's about five o'clock after a ride of thirty miles. I was kindly entertained. I called at Mr. Thomas Dorsey's. Kind people. I breakfasted with them. I put forward to Baltimore, when within about two miles there came up an autumnal storm. There was fear of the trees falling and that the wind would overset the carriage. I came in safe, stopped an hour, and proceeded on to Mr. Goes, and arrived between eight and nine o'clock. There has been some snow today, and the night is cold. I have spent my stock of money, three guineas and two and a half Johannes, given me by Mr. Go and Mrs. Chamier. Two guineas and a half, and half crown went in Virginia. Rode on about twelve miles to dinner, eight miles afterward to Swan Creek, being kept in peace. Here I met that man of God and prisoner of Christ, Charles Scott. He is like a flame of fire. He has a good sense, good utterance, and professes the sanctifying grace of God, a useful man, dealing faithfully in the societies. I gave him some Virginia cloth to make him a suit of clothes. Oh, how sweetly were we united to each other. Footnote. He died an apostate, was in the habit of speaking maliciously of his former friends. He became horribly wicked. End footnote. Thursday, November 2nd, I set out for Susquehanna Ferry. I passed over in a calm and gained Robert Thompson's about three o'clock. The old man is stirred up. Delaware, Friday, the 3rd. Set off for my favorite, Dover, I believe Little Pipe Creek now, 1813. Mr. T and B are their offspring of very pious parents. I hope God has touched their hearts. I stopped a while at Dr. Ridgely's to deliver a message to him from Colonel Dorsey of Elk Ridge in Maryland. While tearing after dinner, Dr. McGaw came in. I went home with the doctor and was kindly received. The doctor's intentions were not to go to the quarterly meeting, but having this opportunity, I went and took him along. It was one o'clock before we arrived. About three hundred people had been waiting for us. 
Mr. McGaw preached an excellent sermon on Who Shall Ascend the Hill of the Lord? Brothers Hartley and Glendenning exhorted. We all stayed at Mr. Barrett's. Mr. McGaw prayed with much affection. We parted in great love. Sunday, the 5th. We had between one and two thousand people. Our house, 42 by 48, was crowded above and below, and numbers still remained outside. Our love feast lasted almost two hours. Some spoke of the sanctifying grace of God. I preached on John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, a heavy house to preach in. Brothers Petticord and Cromwell exhorted. Monday, the 6th. I preached to about 400 people on Second Chronicles chapter 8, verse 18, and had liberty. I spoke on the necessity of getting and keeping the power of religion. William Glendenning exhorted afterwards. Then we parted. I see the footsteps of providence in my coming back. The people regretted my absence, and the preachers would have been at variance one with another. William Glendenning pleaded hard to come to Dover, but I did not think him so fit as Thomas Chew. Brother G is a good little man, and though his utterance is less strongly marked with the Scotch than formerly, it is not yet good. The British had almost thrown themselves in my way on my return through Virginia. I wish not to fall into their hands. They left it soon after I came away. There has been good done in my absence. Among the believers we have been very solemn, and the work of God has been deep among the brethren. Not so in Virginia. The preachers there do not yet know how to preach sanctification for want of experience. I stationed the preachers thus, Thomas Chew and the two Cromwells for Kent, for Dover, Petticord, and Law, Roe and J. White for Sussex, William Glendenning, Stephen Black, Joseph Wyatt for Kent in M.Y., and Hartley and Everett for Dorset. Tuesday, the 7th, I was closely engaged in reading a volume of Mr. Wesley's journal of above 300 pages, ended it on Wednesday morning. I felt dejection of spirits for want of public exercise. I have had so much of this that within the six months I have traveled, according to my computations, 2,671 miles, yet am uneasy when still. I proposed meeting the children when I came again. I appointed a place for them to sit, and desired the parents to send a note with each, letting me know the temper and those vices to which the child might be most subject. I longed to spend a few minutes every hour in prayer. I see a great need of living near to God. The people are so affectionate. Lord, humble me. Wednesday, the 8th, rode to Perdins, calling at Caleb Furby's and Daniel James's. At Perdins, lectured on 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, engaged the friends to subscribe 700 weight of pork towards the meeting house at Barrett's. I called at Combs's and had a preaching there, although the master of the house differs from us in some points. While we are busy, others are not entirely quiet. Others, less in the habit of teaching by stated speaking, can yet disseminate their books. Thursday, the 9th, I came to my old lodgings at Thomas White's, met the preachers. We spoke further about the work of God. Friday, the 10th. This day, I arranged my papers containing a brief account of the beginning and progress of our divisions. It was transcribed into a book by Caleb Petticord. Saturday, the 11th. I wrote to Mr. Goh, Mr. Lynch, and Mr. Skinner. Today, the quarterly meeting begins at Caroline. I am kept in faith and love to God and all mankind. William Glendenning has handed me a book written by Jeremiah Burroughs in the time of the Commonwealth upon heart divisions and the evil of the times. In this work, I promise myself good arguments against our separating brethren. The Lord does greatly carry on his work, 
some little wildfire, a few disorderly walkers, read a volume of Mr. Wesley's journal. Sunday, the 12th, I preached at E. White's on 1 John chapter 4, verses 14 through 18. I spoke on perfection strongly and clearly. Some strangers attended. The work goes on here, but although I want to rest, there is no place for me to stay. There is too much company. The quarterly meeting at Kent in Maryland was large and powerful. There were twelve preachers present. I am kept in peace and soul, expecting my ministering brethren that we may consult about the work of God. Samuel Rowe is going to Sussex, one that has happily escaped the separating spirit and party in Virginia and the snares laid for his feet. And so also did poor William Spencer of late years. Eternal thanks to God. End of section 41. Recorded by David Baer.